There's an old story that you've probably heard if you're a Beatles fan. Back in the heyday of the mid-60s when the Beatles were under intense pressure to keep coming up with new songs, new songs, new songs all the time, they had to write, they had to make, make them up, they had to, they had to figure out what to write, and they had to be good. And the story goes that John Lennon was trying one day fruitlessly to write some sort of song. And it just, he finally, you know, after an hour or two, he said, oh, I can't do this. And he laid down on his bed. I can't write a song. And as he lay there and kind of let things go, this thing popped into his head. He's a real nowhere man. This is nowhere man. And he wrote Nowhere Man, which is a great one. It's a classic. Uh, yes, uh, this is Tim Patterson. This is Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. You can find me online at tradeshowguy.net. Uh, creativity and discipline. I'm just going to kind of riff on that uh, today because there's a lot to unpack there. And I, I've, you know, I've always tried to be a creative person and there's a lot of different ways that I kind of express my creativity. Uh, you know, trying something creative is, is I think, worthwhile. It's, it's part of the human condition. It's part of the human spirit. And it can be uh, really cool. It can be really hard. Uh, if it's a big project, it can be a long slog. Kind of looking back, it was, uh, this is this week, by the way, ninth anniversary of Trade Show Guy exhibits. It was nine years ago this week, the company I was working for, Interpretive Exhibits, closed down. The owner, Ed, had uh, announced his retirement a year, year and a half earlier. He said, yeah, we're going to do it slowly, close it, down, close it down. And of course, this was just coming out of the recession. So the year, or year and a half prior to that was not great. Uh, you know, in fact, the last six months, I think I worked about one out of every two weeks or maybe or maybe two out of every three weeks. And then I take a week off and we collect unemployment. And at the end of the time, not to get too far down this bunny trail, I had three or four clients that wanted to keep working with me. So I did. I couldn't figure out whether to get back into radio, which I'd done for 26 years or do something else. And finally, I decided, well, I'll just see if I can get this thing, else, uh, this company off the ground. It wasn't called Trade Show Guy Exhibits at that time, but it eventually became uh, trade show guy exhibit. So, so when I first got hired by them, which would have been uh, 18 years ago, I spent nine years, a little more than nine years uh, at interpretive exhibits. I came to the industry not knowing really anything about it. Uh, they said, you got good people skills. We can teach you the rest. I didn't know anything about sales. I didn't know anything about exhibits. Uh, this was a company that did interpretive exhibits and only a few trade show things. And so I used my skills that I had to be creative as much as I could. Uh, for instance, I had web design skills, and so I redid the company's website or managed most of it and did, did a lot of it myself. Also, uh, they were in the midst of a project with, I believe, the Army Corps of Engineers that had a big audio portion. They were putting audio into uh, an exhibit that was going to be at a dam, uh, a, tr a visitor center. And they had all these stations with audio on it. And I said, where's the audio coming from? They go, I don't know. I said, I can do the audio. So I sourced a bunch of uh, uh, people that I knew. And we, we voiced it, produced it, got it developed, and uh, put it into the exhibit. I did it for a number of uh, projects. So I used my skills, radio skills, moving forward. Also, I found that one way to learn about the trade show and exhibit industry was to talk to uh, experts and consultants. So that's what I did. I, I looked online. I found people that had been in the industry for some time. And I called them up and said, hey, this is Tim. Can I record you talking about your expertise? And I did that probably 20 or 30 times over the next two or three years. And I would just record the audio and post it on the company's website. Now, this is actually before podcasting was a thing. It was just something that I did. And I figured out how to put audio streaming audio online, which at that point was not that easy. This is like 2003, 2004, 2005. Podcasting really didn't happen for a couple of years after that. 
But, you know, I just kind of told myself I can find ways to move forward and be creative in any situation. And that's, you know, kind of the way I've, I've lived my life for a long time. You know, just because you want to be creative doesn't mean you're ever going to be a Picasso or a Dali or a Coppola. Uh, really, to me, it means you got an itch you need to scratch. I know of a guy in Portland that I met a long time ago, 25, 30 years ago, that made music in his bedroom all the time. That's what he did. He was I met him. He was a few years older than me, maybe 10 or 15 years older. But he had this little four-track cassette recorder, and he made weird music, electronic music. He'd, he'd bang on things. He'd play guitar. And then he'd make cassettes out of them and hand them out to friends. At one point, I had one. I don't know if I still have it. But... Uh, that's what he did. And he had he had dozens and dozens of cassettes of music that he had made. He just found a way to produce it. So, you know, he found the time and he made it work. And I think the biggest challenge a lot of us have when it comes to being creative, we go, God, I got this uh, song I want to write or this band I want to be in or this story I want to write, but I don't have the time. See, that's the excuse we always use. We don't have the time. Well, it's true because our bandwidth is so much. There's only so much time in a day and we got maybe a spouse and kids we got a job we got to go shopping everything and next thing you know you got no time left in the day you got to get up the next day and do it all over again and one thing i learned years ago i had a job my last full-time radio job i think i was uh, working in portland but living in salem and i it was a weird job uh, in the sense of the hours i worked from 7 p.m to 4 a.m i drove up to portland when the traffic was coming the other way and i drove from portland back to salem about 45 miles uh, against the traffic as well. Uh, and I did news at a news station. But I wanted to write a screenplay. And it was based on this uh, crazy summer I had when I was 21. I lived in a little town up in the uh, Columbia Gorge, and it was a very conservative town. But for some reason, within a couple of months of me being there, I found the really strange, bizarre underworld belly, under underbelly of that town. <laughs> I was 19, 20 years old when I moved there. And the summer I turned 21 was really crazy, and I thought it was worth a screenplay. So I wrote a screenplay about it, and I did it by getting home about 5, 5.30 in the morning, and uh, no one else in the house was awake. I would just sit at my computer and write for about an hour, hour and a half. I had a book on screenplay writing and how to, how to be a screenwriter and how to develop the parts of the story, the part one, part two, the middle part, all that stuff. And it was probably a crappy screenplay. I've only looked at it a couple times since then. I don't think I showed it to more than one or two people, but I did it. I completed it. I was happy with it as it was. I learned how to do something. And I think that's part of creativity is that if you don't know how to do something, you can learn how to do it. Uh, and then you need to make the time for it. I just figured I would carve out the time and do that every single morning. I mean, you look at some of the great writers. Stephen King you know, writes eight hours a day. That's what he does. Some of the other artists you hear about, they're in there working. If they don't have a, a great idea... They just keep writing and writing and writing or making music and music until something comes out that is good enough that they can share with the world. Not everything that even those great people write is worth sharing with the world. If you look up discipline and creativity online, and, and, I, and there's a lot of stuff to, to you can look at, but discipline, just a couple of rules that I ran across on an article, and I'll share the link in the, uh, the show notes. Discipline is an artist's ally. Creativity must be harnessed, but discipline... Devoid of passion is just uh, rule-keeping. Number two, following the rules is not the same as discipline. Rules are a means to discipline. They are a tool of creation. Uh, number three, rules aren't necessarily bad. They're guidelines that help us achieve a specific end. In some cases, they keep us from doing, you know, really stupid things. 
but rules cease to serve their purpose for the sake of compliance. Uh, when they do that, you find yourself on a slippery slope towards unproductive, uncreative behavior. And number four, there comes a time when once you know all the rules, you must break the rules. When you find yourself getting comfortable, you must disrupt your routine and, uh, and, viola- and violate the status quo that you have created. Socrates said, I know only one thing and I know nothing. That is the beginning of discipline. So, you know, I've always been humble about it. Uh, I know there's people better than me, a lot better. I know on the, the, uh, the, the scheme of things from the worst to the best, I'm, I'm if barely in the middle. It, I understand that there's a lot of people out there. But, you know, if you want to do something, you have to learn how to do it. And all the knowledge is out there, especially today in the day of the Internet. You can find anything you want online. Uh, and if you don't have a skill, you can practice it. The only way to develop it is to practice it. If you want to be a writer, you have to write. If you want to be a musician, you have to play. Uh, if you want to be a photographer, you have to take a lot of photographs. If you want to paint, if you're going to be a painter, you have to paint. To be a sculptor, you have to sculpt. That's just the way it works. Uh, there's more to it than that, of course. Learn what others have done, what worked for them, what didn't work for them. And you'll learn what doesn't work for you. You know, back to what I've been doing lately, uh, creativity, uh, cr- creatively, <laughs> In the last uh, 10 months, I've written two novels and several thousand words right now into novel number three with the same character. And I've gone back and I've rewritten them and third and fourth and fifth time through them. And the first one I sent out to uh, eight or nine readers and I'm starting to get feedback, which is critical at this point. At some point in the next month or so, I'll get back to that and finally figure out what the next step is. Uh, and then the second one, we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, there have been days... Uh, that I only have a few minutes to work on it. I try and do it every single day, 60 to 90 minutes, first thing in the morning, cup of coffee. That's how I roll. (laughs) I get up and I open up the laptop, sit on the couch and just, you know, plow away. And if I get a thousand words out of it, I'm happy. It may be a crappy thousand words. I've thrown stuff away. But it may be the germ of a good piece. It may be a good piece. You never know. I'm not crazy to have the best piece come out of my fingers as I'm typing. I just want to move the the stick forward, as it were. Uh, You're just moving one step forward. So that's what works for me. I also try and find guides online. Uh, Lately, in the last uh, several months, I've been watching classes on Masterclass. Uh, uh, Some of the writers there, Neil Gaiman, uh, Margaret Atwood, Atwood. Uh, Dan Brown, David Baldacci, I'm in the midst of those, or I've I've finished almost all those. And to hear from their perspective and how they break down a story and how they come up with ideas and uh, just kind of look at it from their perspective, I think it's really, really helpful. You know, writing a novel or two, and now into my third, is kind of like going back to school, which is a school of my own making. So, you know, when I wrote that screenplay back in 2000, I had that odd schedule I mentioned, but I made time to do it. And that was kind of like the the bell, the, the light that went off, the bell that rang in my head that says, you know, that's what it takes. We all have 24 hours. How do you use that 24 hours? And it, be, and it boils down to discipline. You need discipline to be creative. All right. So, and being creative, of course, is good. It's important. I think we all should do it in some fashion. That's all I got this week's one good thing is uh, a new album out by David Lowry of Cracker and Camper Van Beethoven fame. It's only available on Bandcamp from what I understand. David Lowry is a fascinating character if you're into uh, 
the uh, band Cracker and Camper Van Beethoven. He's kind of an interesting songwriter. I've always loved him as a songwriter. Uh, and it's a new product called Shadow of the Bull. It's kind of a semi-autobiographical release, the first of a planned multi-release project uh, from one reviewer in The Shadow of the Bull. Uh, David Lowry follows his stories from young childhood through relatively young adulthood, although much of his storytelling appears at first blush. Merely matter-of-fact, it's this quality that delivers its rawness. There's a sweetness in these songs that can only come from being so distanced from their time, but the strength to them, too, as uh, Lowry embraces each tightly. It's a, it's a good collection, and it's available on uh, Bandcamp. Dot com davidlowry.bandcamp.com I'll make sure a link gets in there. So that's this week's One Good Thing. Have yourself a great week, and hey, we'll do this again next time around. <laughs>